0: Once a week, I, Aaron Lowe, awake to find my head has been surgically removed from my body and then attached to the body of a different friend and movie lover. Together, we are given a note, and on that note is a theme, sometimes vague and sometimes very specific. It is then up to us to each pick a film inspired by that theme, watch, and discuss. This is The Incredible Two-Headed Podcast. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Thanks for joining us another week. And for those that observe the holiday, Merry Christmas. Today is, of course, Christmas Day. And accordingly, we've got a bit of a special episode. Joining me, someone who's been mentioned on this podcast, but is just now making their first appearance, my spouse, Amber Keplinger. Amber, how's it going?
1: You know, another day in quarantine.
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Normally, this is the point in the show, I'd have a couple of minutes of catch-up conversation, just asking the other person how that's going. I I think that would just be a little bit awkward. I mean, we we know everything that's going on with each other pretty much every minute of the day for for the past It's 9 months now, isn't it?
1: For the quarantine, yes.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. No, we've we've been together a little bit more than 9 months, like like 10. At least. Yeah. Okay. Uh well, you know, the only times that we have apart now are when I go out with our youngest daughter. We go for a couple of hours walk. So I guess we saw a butterfly today, and that that's news.
1: Yeah, she didn't fall today.
0: <laughs> she didn't, that was yesterday. She had a big fall yesterday. She saw some dogs, uh, some some Pokemon. We we always catch some Pokemon, and that, that's pretty much it. <laughs> she played with her dinosaurs at one of the benches, and then we came home, and that's pretty, pretty much it. Here we are.
1: Yeah, I was just working on Christmas gifts.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, obviously we're we're recording this a little bit early, but the Christmas is racing up upon us. Time moves incredibly strangely this year. So, being as this is a special episode, it's going to run probably a bit differently than normal. We each have some movies we'll be focusing on, of course, and it'll still be a pair of conversations or or a continuing conversation around them. But it's also probably going to be a bit looser than usual, maybe just a bit more of a free form conversation. And so let's take our first break. We'll be back in just a few seconds, and then we'll be talking about our first movie of the day. Um, hello, <laughs> Jesper Johansson, Postman. Oh, uh,
1: Mr. Klaus, you have a gift. You were meant for making toys. So I figured if you donate your old toys, I'll deliver them for free. Tonight, I go with
0: you. There's no need for you to come with me, really. Tonight, then. <gasps> Our cousin told us if we write a letter to Mr. Klaus, he'll make us a toy. <gasps> Dear Mr. Klaus. Dear Mr. Klaus. Shall we, then? Yep. <gasps> Mr. Klaus is the coolest. Klaus? What about me? Ow! What the loser? Oh, yeah, well if I'm a loser, then you are you're a you're a uh you're at, you're, at, you're, at, you're too far, you're gone.
1: Hey, what do you guys think you're doing? This is Smirensburg the unhappiest place on earth. And you two can't change that. Yeah! The postman and Toy Maker are brainwashing everyone!
0: We need to show people that a true selfless act always sparks another.
1: <laughs> Hi! What's
0: happening right now oh no holy mother what happened not a word you just sit there be all magical and awesome okay we're back and first up is my pick for this week this special christmas day episode and that is going to be klaus from 2019. now klaus is a 2019 english language spanish film an animated exploration of the possible origins of santa claus The film is the directorial debut of Sergio Pablos and was distributed by Netflix. Klaus follows Jesper, a slacker-layabout postman who is sent to the isolated, inhospitable island of Smearnsburg and must establish a thriving postal presence within a year or he'll be cut off from the family fortune. When he meets a hermit woodsman with a surplus of handmade toys, Jesper starts inventing on the fly the mythology of Santa Claus in a scheme to get the island's children to write letters and mail them to Santa. And that is basically the story of Klaus. Now, normally I start asking what someone's history with a certain film is, but in this case I know exactly what it is because we both watched it together last year. Though you'd been following the film or at least were aware of it earlier than I was through the animation groups and sites that you follow. Uh, So I guess I'll start with the big question first what did you think of klaus
1: oh it's i mean it's amazing it looks 3d but it's completely 2d other than some assets and props are 3d and a few the reindeer every now and then but if you look at the film it doesn't look 2d at all but it absolutely is
0: no i remember that because i actually wasn't too aware of the film until you brought it up and it was coming out but i did look it up and that was a very common comment on it was no, seriously, this movie is 2D. And yeah, you look at it and it does look. It does look like the cleanliness of it, I guess. I'm not. You know more about the terms of animation than I would, but it definitely does look. I don't want to say it looks too good for traditional animation because that's the disparaging to traditional animation in a way I don't mean to be, but it definitely looks. It, it looks like it, it would have been so painstaking. It looks. I don't know. What, how would you say it? Too smooth?
1: Um, fluid would probably be the better way of saying it. Most of that is thanks to the lighting that they used because most 2D doesn't really focus on lighting the way they did in this one. 3D, that's a key factor into it when rendering the images.
0: I, I read a little bit about Sergio Pablos and what he was trying to do with this. And, I mean, he'd been an animator for years. He was part of the Golden Age, or not the Golden Age, of the Renaissance of Disney. He worked on Tarzan and Aladdin. I think this is first film as a director but it's also the first film from his animation company and I read an interview where he, he was basically saying that what he wanted to do with Klaus and the style is to kind of explore or expand animation uh, traditional 2D animation in a way to see what it would have been like if like western CGI had not become the dominant form and what hand-drawn animation would have looked like if it had been allowed to kind of progress the way that CG had.
1: Yeah, I could see that, but also like without the Western CG, we wouldn't have the tool sets that he needed to make this become reality because lighting, like I said, that's something that's been strictly CG up until now. So without the evolution of animation through CG, we probably wouldn't have gotten this, but I'm all for 2D moving this direction.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's something I, I'm very familiar with, Your your love of... Uh, 2d and and i think that that's shared by a lot of animation fans in general is that animation fans kind of want a return to or if not a return at least a resurgence or more of that hand-drawn look which is why i think you know like miyazaki and ghibli have been so beloved by animation fans it's just i think it's it's so much more cost intensive to do it hand-drawn and time-intensive i
1: guess actually it usually actually really isn't because uh a lot of animation that cg is actually hand-drawn before they actually animate out the models so they actually do about the same work on both
0: yeah okay i i kind of uh, you see i'm i'm you're going to know more about the business side of it or if not the business the technical side of it i have a general idea about a lot of these things but uh, then you know stuff like like that i'm not too sure about all of the specifics of
1: well i'm still learning as i go as well
0: okay so maybe maybe we can um we can just kind of focus a bit on the story and uh you will get you to to chime in as well with any of your your expertise about the technical aspects but um as a film itself overlooking you know the the technical achievements that they have and how great the movie looks how do you you feel about the movie in in general just as a movie
1: Oh, it speaks to me because of how dark it gets i mean the humor you got kids stabbing snowmen with carrots one me over right there
0: <laughs> yeah no that that's a we've, we've watched this twice now at least i don't know if you you watched it another time three times now okay so i've watched it twice and that's always a laugh when jesper is introduced to the town of smearinsburg and he locks eyes with this little girl looks like an like kind of an adams family drawing and she just holds his gaze and stabs a snowman like really slowly, that's always a good laugh yeah so i'm I'm gonna say uh not not to be too much of a contrarian that i I find a lot of this film hokey in a way that I don't like a lot of the dialogue i I find too on the nose, especially once we meet Klaus or Claus, I want to say Klaus, but it's Claus, I guess um
1: it's Klaus. it's Klaus. they say it multiple times oh or you say the woodsman
0: the woodsman once they meet jk simmons that's who it is <laughs> he does the voice like he, he he immediately he's not speaking but once he does speak he speaks kind of only in aphorisms uh, i can't remember exactly how he says it like uh one selfless act act always sparks another stuff like that which is you know it's a good sentiment i don't know i'm just being too curmudgeonly i guess because this is
1: I think that's more that he's coming to the realization as well. It's not something he lived by; it's somebody in his life lived by, and that's what they kept repeating. Yeah, so it's kind of sparking in him that oh, well, that was true.
0: That's a good point. I hadn't actually thought of that. Um, yeah, because I, I just watched it, and I, I'm i I just chalk it up to it's a Christmas movie, and they have to be a pretty kind of pokey. That just is par for the course. That I didn't. Uh, I don't know. I I feel bad. I this is kind of the movie. I I don't feel I should nitpick too much, but it's still like, I I just don't find myself emotionally engaged in it. I'm entertained by the story. I enjoy, I enjoy every aspect of it as it's happening. But I'm not like, like a Pixar film. Even the lower Pixar films, not not all of them, but like even Cars. Cars by the end of it, I'm like, I feel invested in that race, even though I'm not a big fan of that movie, but this this movie i i just don't i don't feel any real emotional stakes in it even though i like it
1: Huh. well i mean there's some super jaded characters in it that i really agree with because just working retail forever and ever and ever where i uh do my best to do what i can but it just keeps beating you down so like alva as a school teacher who kind of doesn't have a class i kind of feel for her and her attitude towards people for me it's like that i can see myself in that
0: yeah um no, I I mean, this is one where I, I do feel like I'm just being nitpicky and I'm looking for something to not like. Because then when I, I get right down to it and I try to analyze exactly what it is that it, it's not connecting with me, I I can't pick it out because it, it all seems like it should work. It's all stuff that I like. I like the characters in it. I, I like most of the voice acting.
1: I, I feel like... don't like Christmas. I
0: like... <laughs> I like Christmas, I don't like Christmas move, uh, music. I, I like I like almost all Christmas movies in some way. I just like or specials even. I like having them on the week prior to Christmas. I, I like them. Uh, I do, not to the extent that I like Halloween or Halloween specials or, or movies, but it always gets me into the seasonal mood as you know jaded and cynical as I can be.
1: I think uh, next to Night Before Christmas, this is probably the first new holiday movie I've actually really enjoyed through, thoroughly. Elf is fun, but this is better.
0: Uh, you know, I've mentioned Elf a couple of times before, and that's one, like, you know, we watch, I watch that every year with our oldest daughter, and Elf is a movie I liked, and I kept expecting that it would become like a holiday classic to me. Every year I watch it, do not tell her I said this, every year we watch it, I like it a little bit less it's not one that has charmed me.
1: I I can see that. But like, I'm just saying, Klaus is definitely top tier for me.
0: Okay. And then, you know, c- contrast that with, um, I would say Krampus is one that I didn't like it the first time I saw it. But every time I watch it with her, I like it more and more. That's a new one I'm happy to have in our annual rotation. But you're right. I'm trying to think of any modern day.
1: Reframe it as family. <laughs>
0: Well, it depends on the family you're well, talking yeah, about.
1: But I'm just saying, like for what I'm talking about, like never for Christmas is, you know, what PG. I think Krampus is a little higher up there. I love Krampus, well, but not PG-13. in the same <laughs> right reason. Yeah, but I like Krampus, but not for the same reasons.
0: Okay, I- I'm trying to think of any any more modern Christmas movies between those, <laughs> like because I mean,
1: oh, it's a big, big, big it, birth. But... Yeah,
0: it, I mean, there's a, there's a lot. There's uh, the Santa Claus movies, of mm-hmm. course. And, um,
1: oh, I considered and I said no,
0: yeah. And, and I mean, there's been a lot of Christmas movies, uh, in between. I just, you're right, I can't think of any that are like classics to me, standout classics. The big one I keep thinking about is Elf, but that's just because everybody else has made it a Christmas classic. But, uh, speaking to my, my jaded cynicism, one thing that amuses me about Klaus, and it, it didn't quite occur to me until this time I was watching it. So, the meaning of the story is is basically that the meaning of Santa Claus and the meaning of Christmas is generosity of spirit, kindness, and selflessness, and generosity. And yet the movie also posits that the very origins of Santa are a cynical piece of marketing created solely for the purpose of creating customers. Uh, it's it's a bit of unintended irony, but the entire... Oh, I think it's
1: intended. You think it is? Oh, absolutely, I believe so.
0: Uh, I... 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 I don't know.
1: tongue-in-cheek, but I think it's intended.
0: All right, maybe. I, I, I kind of felt it was unintended, because the movie never calls any attention to it, never makes any of those lines. But Jesper is creating this solely so that he'll have postal customers and get the kids to write letters to Santa Claus and help him get off. And that that's, of course, the lesson he has to learn by the end of the movie, is that, that he should be doing this for selfless reasons and in fact had been doing it for selfless reasons for a little while it, it i it amused me in a way i just
1: uh, the I, whole everyone it's there's something or everyone's in it for something was his motto like you're talking about before the one act of generosity sparks another or what is it every act of what i think it,
0: i can't remember one act of selfishness self, selfish. yeah. yeah so
1: yeah. watch the movie yeah um
0: <laughs> you know you're right he is meant to be, or he is selfish and uh, in it for himself.
1: I mean, it's a group of animators from Disney. You know, like the director came from the background of Disney. Big corporation. Lots of profit.
0: Yeah, I, I, you're right. There, that's probably, that may be intentional, but I think that it, it, it works against the message of the story just a little bit in a way that I don't think they want it to work against the story. I, I think maybe... I don't know. I don't want to say it's a mistake. Uh, I just, it it amused me in a way that seems counter to what they're trying to actually say with the movie.
1: Well, he learned and he he became unchanged his ways for it. So, I mean, he's still not going for it for profit.
0: No, no, the character isn't. So, I don't
1: think it works against the story.
0: No, the character learns his lesson, but it's still, this movie is still saying that the origins of Santa in this movie are commercially based. Uh, is is still something that no matter what lesson he learns, that's kind of what the movie is saying. It's
1: Kind of funny because it's my gripe with the Grinch live action is just the opposite: a movie or a book and animated short about non-commercializing Christmas, turn it super commercial, and that's why I don't like the live action.
0: I'm gonna admit I've never seen the full Grinch. Ooh. Well, wait, are no, no, you? Are no. you that 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 sound that look? Are you <laughs> saying that I should watch it?
1: Misery loves company.
0: I'm. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to be in any big hurry, honestly. <laughs> I I caught, I caught bits of it working at at Suncoast, and then Universal. we were at Universal, and you know, you it, the Grinch with uh, Grinchmas, and <laughs> it it is inescapable working there during the holiday season. But I've never actually sat down and watched it. Yeah, the uh, the holidays or Grinchmas at Universal. We worked there for a few years. Man, like such the worst time to be there uh just the shifts that you have to do at the park and and the decorations and the music that they're playing it's costumes
1: are amazing though that's the one takeaway from the movie and grinchmas at universal is the costumes are really great
0: yeah and they actually do a really good job with the the characters that are in the park the makeup for all the who's i just remember at universal
1: merchandise just so much merchandise oversold. It's just it's upsetting to see the Grinch be pimped out.
0: Yeah, and that that's kind of a difference too. Here we've got Klaus does not like we. I mean, we just looked up really quick here. Klaus doesn't have any merchandise. There's a, some fan made stuff out there. Some some fan sites or not fan sites, but those fan
1: made shirts on Tea Public and Redbubble. But not official licensed merchandise, which hello. <laughs>
0: yeah. And you know, you're right. The Grinch, but that, that's mm-hmm. universal. They're like a huge, uh, That that's where they get their money. That's like Disney these days. Disney has to merchandise everything. And, but what I was saying, I just remember universal working during the hula days during Grinchmas, that shift that you would just hope you didn't get where you had to stand out there and guard, guard the Christmas tree, <laughs> which is this like large, two-story tall christmas tree and you had to guard it because they had decorations on it that that people would just come and steal because they were minion
1: souvenirs.
0: they were they were minion ornaments they were just you know yellow ball ornaments but with they an had, eyeball glued on it yeah they had eyeballs glued on them or goggles uh gosh and it was just at that the right part right there on top of the parking structure right on top of the hill where
1: super silly fun land
0: yeah it it's southern california so it's not like freezing and you know our our friends back in alaska they're going to be like oh come on it's still what 50 60 degrees but you've got that wind right there coming on the hill and you've been here in california for a little while it's cold and you're right next to just like it, it, yeah it, it's just it was such a miserable place to be it's a dry cold yeah <laughs> it i mean you know i i i could never handle the cold in alaska that's part of the reason i was fine moving down here is just like when it got super cold in alaska i never got a tolerance to it like a lot of other alaskans did but um
1: you mean you didn't get fat
0: oh well okay <laughs> but i i acclimated i have acclimated fully after that first year down here and especially working outside you acclimate to these 80 90 up into the 100 degree summers and then when you get down to 50 degrees even down to 60 you're like I need a coat
1: yeah our first year here I'd be at work in shorts and my coworkers workers be looking at me like well, what is wrong with you and then the next year I was bundled up in coat and gloves
0: yeah I, I still had a better tolerance than a lot of people that that grew up down here but I still and we, we had that trip
1: we're,
0: we're bad Alaskans then we had that trip a couple years ago we went back for a week when I came back like one week in Alaskan summer, and I came back and I would lost all of it. I was back to just dying in California again.
1: Yeah, summertime.
0: Uh, yeah, so back to Klaus a little bit. That's what we're here to discuss. Um, this, I guess, I kind of feel bad. This is a movie that I do enjoy. I've I've enjoyed it both times I've seen it. If we make this an annual tradition, I won't be upset. But I guess it's, it's also one that I don't have like a, a ton to say about. Do you have anything... Anything that you want to point out? Anything that sticks out to you about this movie?
1: Um, I like the fact that they brought in a, a group of people that I have not really any real background with, but the Sami. They actually had a little girl that was Sami come in and do the voice acting for the main girl, Margu. And a few things I did learn is like there has been Sami representation kind of in the past with Frozen, but they muted their colors of their costume like uh. Kristoff is supposed to be kind of like Sami, but they give him like really brown and gray, drab looking colors. But the Sami really focus on the bright colored costumes. So like the bright reds and blues. That's not interesting, but no bad tribe.
0: Yeah. And the, the the Sami, that's that's kind of how... Well, that's how in this movie uh, Klaus gets his costume. That's how he gets the red because he's, he's wearing a little bit more muted colors throughout the rest of the movie until... Uh, they come and kind of deck him out in more festive garb although i guess it it's only festive cuz now we associate those colors with christmas but it's much more bright and colorful and yeah even there there is a bit of an a bit of accuracy to this film even the name of the island smyrinsberg is an intentional misspelling and mispronunciation of a a real whaling village that used to exist in in Denmark, I, I man, I, I feel really bad not knowing this, but I'm going to Google really quickly. And uh, a whaling settlement on Amsterdam Island in Northwest Svalbard. Okay, founded by the Danish and Dutch in 1619. I mean, it, it's fictional. This isn't like, a, you know, a representation of what life there is like, but I guess it is. Uh, they did take aspects of that locale and that culture around those areas to inform this movie and you're right that is um one of the more is- interesting aspects of the movie just because it is kind of a-, a culture i hadn't seen even though you're right they were in in frozen in a much sort different of. sort of in a much different
1: in a disney way
0: it-, it was interesting like i didn't quite i didn't quite know that was they were actually this is this is my ignorance here uh that i didn't actually know about them that they existed I- in that that culture existed until this movie and then hearing more about it and looking it up afterwards.
1: Right. Same here. And that's, that's a plus to me. So we haven't even really touched on why the Smirnsburg didn't have any working postal service before.
0: Yeah. So when, um, when Jesper arrives there taken to the island by a, a cranky Norm Macdonald or a bemused Norm Macdonald there, there are two, Families that seem to be that seem to make up the entire island. Although there are, there seem to be at least a hundred people on this island. They all fall into one of two clans: the Ellingbows and the Crum families. And for whatever reason, it's never quite explained in the movie, unless I missed something, that they are constantly at war with each other. In fact, one of the first things that he does in town is he rings this bell that Norma Donald tells him to ring, and once he does both families just burst out of their doors and converge in the town square and start beating and stabbing each other. Like it's really violent.
1: Yep. And that's why I love it.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's a part of also what, what Jesper is doing when he creates the post office and gets kids to write to Santa is he tells them that Santa only brings, uh, toys to good kids because doesn't, he gives one of the one kid that like teases them all the time he gives that kid coal yeah and then then he makes up the story about why he got coal and so the kids start to kind of make the, the town a nicer place which is the central conflict of the movie because the clan leaders were, that's kind of a loaded way to say it but the leaders of the ellingbo and the Crum families um joan cusack and who was the guy um I, I have it open here let me check imdb um that's how professional i am here at this, this show. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mr. Ellingbow is Will Sasso I, from Mad TV, but was like, oh, I, I know him. It's, it's a good cast, I think. J.K. Simmons, Jason Schwartzman is Jesper, uh, Rashida Jones is Alva. And of course, Noel McDonald and Joan Cusack is great in everything. But the, the two of them, Joan Cusack and Will Sasso, Mr. Ellingbow and Mrs. Crum, are not happy and do not want the families to get together, The the clans, they keep saying, I think.
1: The feud has given their life meaning, so why would they want that to end?
0: Uh, that's true, and they they set about trying to sabotage Jesper and Klaus's efforts. It doesn't; they never get close. Uh, it it's, it looks like they're getting close to stopping it, but it, you find out at the end that that's something I wanted to bring up actually. So, the end of the movie, the Ellingbos and the Crumbs, or or the main ones, have gotten together and the matriarch and patriarch have gotten together and decided to sabotage their efforts to give gifts to all the kids on Christmas day. And they attack. And at this point, so Jesper has left the island or that's what everybody back on the island thinks. Yeah,
1: his but dad came to collect them.
0: yeah, his dad comes to get him, but he, he has a change of heart and he goes back and he interrupts the, ellingbows and the crumbs destroying all of the presents and it looks like there's a big big chasing down a mountain and the sleigh goes off of the cliff all the presents are, are dropped or the sleigh doesn't go off the cliff the presents go off a cliff and it, into a ravine, into a ravine it, it seems all is lost and then oliva and klaus reveal that all of the presents in the, in the sleigh at that time were actually just wrapped pieces of. of. lumber. Of lumber, of firewood. And it, it made me think, why didn't they tell Jesper this plan? Because they didn't know that he was going to be leaving.
1: I think they were going to, and then he got pulled away. They didn't have a chance to tell him.
0: Yeah, but like they. they...
1: And also, he's a klutz.
0: Okay, but Alva and Klaus and all of the Sami have known about this had been preparing this for weeks and they didn't tell him like i i don't in in the reality like it's a nitpicky thing but also in the reality of the movie i just can't think of a reason why he wouldn't know that okay. i i don't know is there uh is there anything else you think we should say about klaus i i feel bad not not talking more about it i i do enjoy this movie it is a recommended movie um, I said I have some issues with it and I I do but I still enjoy watching it each time I have Is there anything else that you want to say about
1: I mean everything from it like the character design on down I think the whole movie is pretty solid Um, For being an original for straight to streaming Netflix mm-hmm. It's like I I think it would have done great in theaters if that was the choice
0: Yeah, this is one that it, it did get a very brief theatrical run. I think probably just here in New York because it's one of the movies that Netflix was trying to get Oscar uh, buzz about. and It was nominated. It lost to Toy Story 4, I think. Um, it, it did win the BFIs, though. It did get the British Oscars and uh, beat out Toy Story 4 over there. But over here, the Academy just kind of goes name recognition, I think. No, whatever.
1: It's been proven that the Academy lets their kids choose, and it's whatever one animated movie they let their kids see that year, and it's always Disney or Pixar. Thanks everyone is Spider-Verse.
0: Yay. Yeah, Spider-Verse. That's that's such a good movie. We should go watch that tonight. <laughs>
1: um
0: yeah, you're right. You no, know, like my complaints are I'm I I really do feel like I'm nitpicking with this movie. Of you are. I know I am. I know I am. But um it is a it is a really fun movie. It moves pretty quickly. The voice cast is engaging and it looks gorgeous. Like every moment of this movie is really really great looking the character designs are great it it does a good job of like kind of avoiding what i don't like in say the dreamworks or modern day warner animation the the um the pitfalls that it falls into there the the kind of sameness of the character designs and acting in those movies it it avoids so i i do recommend it i have i just i'm I'm nitpicking I'm nitpicking. That's what I do on this show.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could tell it's a passionate project versus a crank it out, make the money.
0: That winter brought the heaviest snow I'd ever seen. The snow fell steadily all through the night. And when I woke up, the room was filled with light and silence. And I knew then... It was to be a magical day. All right, up next we're gonna be doing The Snowman. Now, The Snowman is a 1982 animated film based on the Raymond Briggs children's book of the same name. Originally broadcast on December 26, 1982, Boxing Day, on Channel 4 in the UK, the half-hour special was an immediate success for the fledgling network and has been shown annually every year since. The simple wordless story of The Snowman follows James, a young boy in the British countryside, and his adventures one night after a snowman he made in the yard comes to life. Now, this is one I'm gonna, I am going to ask you your history with this, because this is one I, I know I must have seen as a kid. It, it, I know I have. I know I have. I don't have any specific childhood memories of this one until you picked it up, and we've watched it kind of regularly holiday season since, that I think most of my memories of this come as an adult, Although immediately, like, I, I remembered aspects of it when I watched it as an adult. I just, um, I, like like I said, I don't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a staple for me growing up. How about for you?
1: Um, absolutely a staple. Probably one of my favorites. Well, it is one of my favorites. I mean, I'm always drawn to a story that doesn't have words. It's always been kind of my thing. And since there is no real words other than the song, it's just, you convey the emotion without actually seeing anything. Probably why I'm looking for work in storyboarding. But, uh... You had to have seen it. If not, you were just a bored child and didn't want to see it. <laughs> no, no, I,
0: I know, I know I saw it. I, I'm just saying I, it wasn't a staple. Like, it wasn't one that I watched every year. It wasn't one that uh, we had. Yeah, it is, like, gosh, you, you, when you got it and we watched it, I was like, even almost every like, well, not, not this time. But the first few times we would watch it, I, I was always surprised at how like beautiful this special is like it it's wordless it's 24 minutes long it feels strangely epic like it's very charming and handmade the the animation is very like it, it is hand drawn and looks like it in kind of a really good way but there's something kind of epic about it too especially that that night flight scene when they're flying over the ocean in the mountains and that song that song is amazing it's probably one of one of the best like songs i can think of from a a christmas special like this
1: yeah it's the only christmas song i love (laughs) uh well
0: what do what are your thoughts on nightmare before christmas do you consider any of them christmas songs
1: Yes and no. That's our uh, Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas movie. So it's kind of all three holidays. Yeah. That's also an anytime music because it's Danny Elfman. But no, um, the snowman for sure is it's it's the swooping and the the rotation of the buildings, I think, that makes it so unique. Like you don't see that in anything really other than <clears throat> actual CG because it is is difficult to do. But uh, it's kind of its signature because even when we just watched like the the 30-year anniversary sequel it's got the swooping rotation of buildings as well it's kind of what it's known for
0: once it gets to that scene you're right it's the swooping it's it's the you know the whale that they go by like it i mean it looks hand-drawn it does not look cg you can tell that that it it isn't it is a more uh rudimentary isn't the right word but
1: what do you mean by cg wait what are you talking about digital or are you talking about 3DCG? Okay, you're
0: right. Maybe hand-drawn was the the wrong word. I, I meant to say it's traditional animation uh, without the aid of computer animation. And it is kind of movements that you're not really used to seeing, especially in like a, a TV, like a, a television film. And, um,
1: and to think this is like early BBC4 or Channel 4, this is like one of the first things they put on tv
0: yeah this is this is less than a month after channel four went live but also knowing the production lead time they must have had this had to have been in in production for a couple of years
1: i think this is the movie that had like they finished it with a month to spare oh okay
0: yeah i i couldn't actually i didn't see anything about that in my research but that that certainly seems possible because yeah this the fact that the this came out or this was ready to go a month literally a month after they went live it, they i mean it, it they had this in you know the works it might have actually just been once the the channel went live and it's not it, it once the channel went live they were like oh that's where it'll go instead of uh bbc or bbc2 or itv which was around at the same time so this
1: channel four was like make this <laughs> we need but, more stations like that.
0: <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, the music by it was by Howard Blake, and and all of the music, not just his song "Walking in the Air," which is uh, the main one everybody remembers—the theme and all that. But all the music is is really good in this, like very. I mean, I know you're not a big Peanuts fan, but I can't think of anything aside from maybe the Vince Guaraldi Trio music for the. Peanuts Christmas special is this kind of distinctive and and kind of mature sounding in a television Christmas special
1: yeah I could see that I mean I think the music of the Peanuts is the only thing I like about the Peanuts <laughs> oh, well,
0: you're you're gonna lose it uh, you're gonna alienate at least one of our listeners but it's it's, it's a mutual friend of ours I, it's fine
1: <laughs> I tend to get bored <laughs> yeah. but yeah
0: so he actually had written that song I was reading kind of earlier he had that like just in his back pocket when he came to this uh this production and he just kind of based all of the rest of the music in it around it um it, it not something he'd ever released it's just something he'd worked on and kind of sketched out years earlier he said during a difficult period in his life
1: i think it was it? Uh, did he have the lyrics yet or is it just the he had the music done
0: yeah i'm not i'm not sure if he, he had the lyrics or if it was just the music but man it, it's so good i i like that a lot and here, I was just looking it up because uh, I was trying to find out about the lyrics thing. Uh, I did not know this, but Nightwish, a Finnish symphonic metal band, covered it. I'm I'm going to go and look that up right after we're done recording. Uh, I may have to end this recording soon to go listen to it. Um, so the story for this, like, I feel like this is going to be kind of a lot of behind the scenes discussion because the story for this is super basic. James. Food. No, I, <laughs> basic white snowman. It's, it's basic in kind of a iconic way like you you, the things that stand the test of time you always kind of want to strip things away to their bare essence and this is kind of like everything it needs to be even though it it is of course expanded from the Raymond Briggs children's book they added a lot into it like um, there's a there's a scene where during their night adventures they joy ride on a motorcycle and that was added mainly because one of the people working on it liked motorcycles
1: yeah so they were running out of short in time, and some motorcycle enthusiast was like, Well, we can do this, and they made it into the final cut, so yay, that guy yeah <laughs> uh,
0: but also the uh the whole interlude with the snowman party where Santa arrives that was not in the book. in fact, Raymond Briggs has adamantly said that the snowman is not a Christmas story. they made it a Christmas story for the animated special they 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 added the Christmas tree aspect and the the meeting with Santa, but everything else was. It was just a snowman that came to life one night.
1: Probably why I enjoy it, actually, because it is very uh, non-denominational other than the Christmas tree and Santa now, but mm-hmm. I get it.
0: Yeah, and part of what, like, it, what I think it's its enduring appeal is, is how basic it is and how bare-bones it is that even though, like I said, they had to expand it from that very brief children's book, the story is very, like, well, you know, it, it's told without words, so it can be understood by everybody. It's very... Well, I don't know if it's incredibly universal in its themes.
1: I think it is. I mean, it's a year older than me, so it's been in my life since birth, basically. I've seen it every year of my life. Oh, wow. Wow. So I understood it without knowing how to speak.
0: Yeah, I, I just meant I just meant there may be cultures in this, on this planet or in this universe no, absolutely. that may not get everything that's going on in the snowman, but I, I mean, think...
1: There's some very British things in there that I wouldn't have understood. Yeah, no, it's right.
0: very... <laughs> it, it's very British. It's very British. It's um, it's very charming. Like this animation. Oh, go ahead.
1: Um, on the cracker subject, it gave me very unrealistic expectation of what's in those things. I'm very disappointed. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, I'm always disappointed. Like this. <laughs> this last year, I got a box of crackers.
1: Official British ones.
0: Yeah, I got a box of official British I
1: can't,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, crackers, and it, we we did the one. We did them on New Year's. I think I, I did them with our daughters. And they were so disappointing. They made no noise. It was the... I took a picture of it. It was the weakest, weirdest, random assemblage of, like, Somebody's tools. Somebody's junk drawer. Yeah, it was like...
1: And a paper hat and a bad pun.
0: Yeah, a bad joke and a paper hat in each one. That That's in all of every cracker. That's what makes a cra- uh, Christmas cracker. But,
1: and the snowman, man. Those were epic crackers.
0: It was like a tiny compass and a tiny carabiner that you couldn't... Like, it's not even going to hold a... A notebook, like it, it would not hold any weight. It was just like an Allen wrench. It was just like, yeah, somebody was clearing out their junk drawer. It was ridiculous. But I was gonna say, like the the animation on this, it, it's super charming. It, what it, it was, crayons and pastels traced on celluloid over backgrounds that were drawn in the same style. So it it looks like you were saying
1: it looks like colored pencil. I mean, it's got the grainy effect, and it's it looks like a drawing that's come to life because more so than any other animation, because it's not crisp, it's not clean.
0: No, it's not. And, you know, the the backgrounds are static, but when the characters are moving, you can kind of see there's fluctuations in their coloring. It's not like squiggle vision, but it's close to that. But uh, Not not anywhere close to squiggle vision, but that's just kind of what I think of whenever I see animation that moves a little bit like that. But yeah, it, it is handmade, like visibly handmade in every aspect. And you were actually saying it, it, it's kind of animated in a way that looks like it shouldn't be able to be animated that way
1: right. like I, I i still have a hard time wrapping my head around that they were doing crayons and pastels on celluloid because you'd think that would re-repel off of it so yeah i mean i could see it be done on a digital surface which was proven in the new one
0: well we can we, we can talk about the new one in a little bit but i, I guess i kind of want to ask you about that like I had read that the new one was also done in the same style. It was done with crayons on celluloid.
1: Oh, I didn't read about it, but it just looked like it would have gone digital. Because, like I said, when we're watching it, there's parts that looked a lot smoother than they did stand out. Like they didn't fit in as well.
0: Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. But I look, I looked at it, and according to their like interviews and what they've put out there, it was two hundred and twenty thousand hand-drawn cells, and um, they said that they used uh, CGI. Uh, for lighting effects and the snow and i'm go also go. going to assume that plane that prop plane in no, it no, that looked rotoscoped it did it looked a little bit it it looked <laughs> it apart went. from the backgrounds in a way that like more things in the in the short hadn't been
1: i just think it was rendered more because it was rotoscoped where you know you have more details to go off of versus straight from your mind but uh it was the snow that was always standing out so it makes sense that that was done with the cg lighting
0: Uh, we'll we'll go back to the sequel here in a little bit but going back to just the the snowman this was directed by diane jackson she had previously only done shorts she had a, a bit of a career in animation but as far as directors she'd only done shorts like real shorts like a couple of minutes and a couple of advertisements and so they brought in uh jimmy t murakami as a supervisor he had worked on a lot of tv animations as well as by this time he'd Strangely, done. A, directed a couple of live-action films for Roger Corman. He did Battle Beyond the Stars and uncredited, and on Humanoids from the Deep. I'm not sure what that is about. I didn't do like a huge bit of research on him. But he also did a segment in he- Heavy Metal and would later direct When the Wind Blows. And he would work on the uh, 80s
1: and the Raymond Briggs When the Wind Blows.
0: He also directed some of the 80s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> But uh, Diane Jackson, she animated on uh, The Beatles' Yellow Submarine, and then later on she would go join uh, Jimmy Murakami and do a sequence in When the Wind Blows, as well as she was working on the Peter Rabbit and Friends series in 1992 when she passed away. But yeah, speaking about Raymond Briggs, who, who's going to come up a lot basically in this entire segment, we're just talking about Raymond Briggs, uh, When the Wind Blows, and uh, The Snowman. That That is him in the intro, or in, in one of the intros, because there, there are several different openings for this movie.
1: Well, it's two, but yeah. I remember that's the intro I always saw growing up, was him walking out and talking about it was a heavy snow, and my mom kept telling me that's David Bowie, and I'm like, that's not David Bowie, because if anyone knows who David Bowie is, it's me. <laughs> yes. And it wasn't until I got the DVD that I finally saw the David Bowie intro, so, I mean, that's a big time gap of not seeing what the hell my mom was talking about.
0: Yeah. So actually, there, there are actually three intros to this. The, the original one with Raymond Briggs, which is the one that you, you can kind of see on most of the releases. It, when it was brought over to America, they thought they needed a bigger name attached to the project, and so they got David Bowie to do that little intro bit where he's talking about all the stuff in his attic. And then there was another own animated opening for the 20th anniversary, which had Santa, the Raymond Briggs version of Santa, and Mel Smith returning to voice him. Uh, basically, he would—he was just recounting how he met the boy yeah, from the snowman,
1: like an animated version of intro. Yeah. Oh, I see that one then.
0: Yeah, yeah. This it aired on the twentieth anniversary, and I think it. What I read is that it, it would air on television for the next thirteen years until the voice actor died, and then after that, it's mostly been the Bowie version that gets shown on television. So this, uh, like a lot of. We, we've seen a lot of Raymond Briggs now. Uh, I think you and I have. I mean, we've seen these three specials. We've seen When the Wind Blows. Oh, gosh. When the Wind Blows. He, he's got a little bit of a kind of a darker sensibility because this movie, you know, he goes, it, it's so magical. He, you know, he's playing around. There's like a bunch of slapstick with the snowman in the house and, and playing with all of the modern conveniences or all the mod cons. And it ends
1: then he
0: melts. It yeah. <laughs> it ends cuz he goes to bed on Christmas Eve, he wakes up, he runs right past the presents under the tree, goes outside. Right
1: past his mom, like nope.
0: He goes right outside and there is just a melted pile of snow and he sits like he falls to his knees in front of the pile of snow and that the credits start playing. Like there's not even a moment to there's not even a moment to process what happened. It's just like the snowman's dead. The end.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
0: He was asked about that. Raymond Briggs said about it. I'm going to read his quote here. He says, I don't have happy endings. I create, I create what seems natural and inevitable. The snowman melts. My parents died. Animals die. Flowers die. Everything does. There's nothing particularly gloomy about it. It's a fact of life. So he, he seemed like a real barrel of laughs.
1: Yeah, and I love him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this was, like I said, a huge success. For a long time, Channel 4 wanted to get a proper sequel, to which uh, Raymond Briggs refused for years, but he did allow them, uh, in 1991, to release another animated film based on one of his children's books, uh, Father Christmas. And this story follows Santa over the course of basically one year between Christmases, as he decides to finally take a vacation, and he travels the world in his sleigh, which he has converted into a camper. And this is... Kind of a, a a quirkier version of Santa. He lives basically in London, in like kind of a row house, like uh, just on a on a regular street. He's got a cat and a dog. He has to he has to put them into a kennel when he leaves, which is like a really long time to leave an animal kenneled. But um, yeah, in, he goes to France and uh, eats too much food.
1: Yeah, this fancy delicacies escargot and all that. Yeah, my, my alternate
0: title, when we were watching it, I was like, yo, that's right. This is the Santa shits himself silly cartoon.
1: Yep, because it's like, what, two minutes of him running back and forth from the trailer to the outhouse?
0: Yeah, his first night on vacation, he eats too much in a French restaurant. And then at night, he's just like running out of his... He's running between his camper and the... With tummy rumbles. And the woods, yeah, with tummy rumbles. And it lasts <laughs> for a while. It's it's I, I find it very funny.
1: Yeah, I mean... I... My only concern, like, like, like I've told you, like I don't mind the movie itself. I mind the fact that they try to interject the snowman into it. Oh, so
0: I forgot to tell you this a little bit in my research because, um, yeah, it, it, the movie ends on the next Christmas, and on that Christmas, he is done delivering the presents, and he says, I still have time. Oh, this is not wordless, like the snowman. There is dialogue in this. A lot of it. A lot of dialogue he says, oh, I still have time to make it to the snowman party or the snowman ball or whatever. Probably, I think. Okay, and James is there and the snowman from the snowman. And we thought at the time, like, oh, I, we, we kind of had a little bit of an argument, not an argument, a conversation, because I, I thought that it could have been a different Christmas. We were trying to figure out how it fit into the timeline if this was supposed to be the same Christmas as the snowman, and it turns out it is not it's oh, not okay. the same Christ. it is be-
1: it follows a lot of the same key points it does
0: but what
1: it what james one is stuck in a time loop.
0: what i i missed is that when james meets santa this time santa says to him glad you could make it again Ah, and so the a lot of the 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 assumption there is that it's it's basically like the year after that christmas i still don't think i like that I, I know we have we have a disagreement on it. This this entire special is not as charming as the snowman, but I I, I enjoy it. It's its own thing.
1: It does uh, help with the sequel, though. When we get to that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That that's true. Um, it doesn't. It, yeah, it's not as charming. It's not as like epic. I, I I find it cute though. I do enjoy it. This is a this is a fun one.
1: I I still stand by it. I think because of it being so dialogue heavy and the snowman both versions or both the sequel and the original are silent it kind of kind of jarring
0: yeah i i can see that but I, I think it i think it just suffers because they put it on the same dvd as the snowman whereas if it was its own thing
1: i think you could kind of what i'm saying yeah yeah but also uh they still keep james silent which is weird james isn't talking to the santa he goes glad he made it hugs him sends him down to the reindeer
0: and, the, but the, what does, does James never, never say? He
1: sa- kind of smiles and waves and runs down the hill. But then, then he,
0: punking. he warns him that he lost a present. Did he not say anything at that point?
1: I'll have to look it up. I don't remember that.
0: Yeah. So you're, you're right. Uh, Father Christmas is the only one that, that speaks. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of view it as its own thing. And you're right. It, it when placed in this trilogy, it's a little bit out of place. But I, I kind of like it. I still, I like that aspect of it that it, it isn't, trying to be the snowman it isn't trying to replicate that because I I feel like as we'll get to in the next one that trying to replicate the snowman it's just a little bit of diminishing returns and this trying to do its own thing is kind of what I like about it
1: no I can agree to that I just I don't know it's just weird (laughs) I didn't grow up with it until I got the DVD I didn't know it even existed and that's part of it too I'm sure
0: yeah you're right there's probably not that connection um well speaking of connections there's a couple of ties to other animated works um other animated raymond briggs works is that uh the scene where santa goes to a goes to a pub in the background are jim and hilda from (laughs) when the wind Blows. Which implies that...
1: A very dark future.
0: It implies very shortly Santa is going to die in a nuclear winter.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh man. Yeesh. Uh,
0: um, maybe, maybe less dark. Maybe I should have ended with that one. But when he goes to the royal palace, because there's a point where he, he forgets a toy in the sleigh and has to go back out and it's a toy for the queen. And you don't see the queen, but you see her corgis. Uh, he goes to the royal palace and Ernest... Is delivering milk, and that's Ernest from the book and animated film *Ethel in Ernest*, which was based on uh, Briggs's parents.
1: Looks like I'm missing one in my library.
0: Yeah, that's one we I haven't seen that either, and so we're gonna have
1: to. Uh, uh, it took forever to find it as the wind blows. So.
0: Yeah, that yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, we'll look it up, and maybe we'll, we'll find it streaming somewhere, and we can. No, no, we'll let our listeners know. Well, it looks like it is it is rentable on youtube and maybe some other places but um yeah i know paying for stuff on you so it's rentable on all the major like voodoo and amazon prime so we'll have to check that out eventually
1: yeah like this week <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah um father christmas it's it's more of i mean it's more traditional animation it's got the same uh drawing style like the the not all the characters, but Santa in particular is drawn in this pretty much the same style that he appears in the Snowman. But it doesn't have that same
1: um, mobility; like it doesn't move as well. The same.
0: Yeah, it, it's more static. it's more. It is definitely more like television animation. It's cleaner lines. It it doesn't have the same um, personality. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you, it doesn't have the same personality. I think it is cute for what it is. I think it's perfectly fine, but. In every way, it, it is not quite as
1: endearing,
0: <laughs> as endearing or as big yeah. as uh, The Snowman. And so let's skip ahead. There's, a, there's pretty much one more in this kind of, well, it's a trilogy if you add Felder Christmas, and I guess we will. In 2012, for the 30th anniversary of The Snowman, he finally allowed a sequel to The Snowman. Uh, the new film, The Snowman and the Snow Dog, follows another young boy. Billy, mourning the death of his beloved pet dog, and having just moved into basically the house that James grew up in in the original film. He finds one day under the floorboards a scarf and a hat and a photo of James from the snowman posing with his snowman. This inspires Billy to make his own, and then he also makes a snow dog in in memory of his lost pet. The story from there is Pretty much the same as the snowman with only the details of the mischief they get up to changed.
1: Yeah, I mean, even the motorcycle makes a return, like a little cameo. It, it makes a little cameo because
0: we weren't sure at first if this takes place in the exact same house from the snowman. I, I actually looked up to see if we could find pictures to compare, but yes. lo- looking it up, yeah, it, it does take place in the very same house. And the reason I wasn't sure.
1: It's no longer countryside, it's all built up and big time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it it is a very small
1: yard. It it is
0: a a detail that is kind of depressing in that uh, James in the first
1: in that Briggs and Passion.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> w- which is strange because uh, Briggs didn't actually have anything to do with this. He just yeah. he he only approved them to do this sequel. He had no produ- uh, no involvement.
1: Oh, but they they know he would love it.
0: Probably. <laughs> because James was in this very <laughs> idyllic British countryside like it it was kind of yeah, the hedges and the just like really flat plains, like fields of grass, it, it was very picturesque. And in this, it's basically just row upon row of identical houses. And I mean, it's, it's the modern suburbs, it's a sprawl. And-
1: Makes I, the house look tiny.
0: It does, the house looks looked huge in the snowman looks very but small. But all the new
1: houses are much bigger.
0: Yeah, and it, I mean, it looks like it perfectly fine. As somebody who grew up in kind of the suburbs, It looks like a a perfectly fine place to grow up, but when compared to what was in the original, you just like, oh, the unending march of time and progress.
1: Yep, broken fence and everything.
0: Yeah, and in the shed out back, the snowman is looking around when he comes to life and he sees the motorcycle, which I guess they left there. I guess they left a lot of things there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But also finding that picture in the floorboards—I mean, that's the key that I didn't quite connect. Like, how is there a picture that didn't happen in the snowman? But like you pointed out, Father Christmas. So like, oh, so they had multiple Christmases going to see Santa.
0: Yeah, it kind of it kind of um, softens the blow of the ending of the original and and this one because spoiler alert, it ends in the exact same way. Well, not quite. Not not quite. Very close. It ends. Same pose. Yeah, the final shot is still billy going out and seeing a melted pile of snow and falling to his knees and the credits start
1: yeah exact same everything
0: but that does that does soften the blow to know that despite the fact that the snowman melted he was able to come back not just for billy in this movie but uh james got a couple of more christmases with him it looks like but yeah so the the nighttime mischief they, they once again go meet santa they go on another joyride, but instead of a motorcycle, this time they they steal a prop plane.
1: Yeah, straight up hijack the plane out of someone's yard, and then they had the audacity of another snowman return it.
0: Yeah, well, it <laughs> you're right. It 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 was like why didn't anybody wake up for this? But um, but also when they go to meet Santa, Billy is the only kid there. So is this snowman the only one? And he just every year brings a human child. I, I it made me think like what do the other snow people think of that?
1: Well, it's been a good like twenty years since he's been there, probably. So,
0: yeah. It well, who knows how long James stayed in that house? But it certainly, it they would have had to leave. You you imagine he left before the the all the new housing went up? I guess <laughs> if we need to like get into the specifics of this world, probably it is a thirty year gap. But probably his father sold off the land and that they built the houses up around it.
1: At least ten years we've between Snowman and jamborees for that snowman
0: yeah you're right that snowman has just been missing out on on the snowman party i then that makes me wonder are all the other snowmen coming back every year are they different snowmen because different kids are making them are any of them repeat snowmen
1: i mean there was repeats in the the character designs there was the the one with the fruit hat and the kilt yeah yeah Lots of repeat character designs so i don't know who's building them
0: yeah i guess they're just just
1: in the wild they're
0: maybe maybe they're they're snowmen that somehow make it through the summer or maybe it's just so far north that's right maybe it's just uh parents passing down the ancient arts of snowman building to their children and they all do it in the exact same way um so this one the title says there's a dog
1: yeah so the big difference is there's a snow dog edition so you have another character in play. He goes to the jump jumpery as well.
0: Yeah, and this time the the dog, like the big difference in the ending is that the snowman melts, but the dog, uh, gifted a magic.
1: Well, Santa gave Santa gave Billy a present, and when he opened it, it was a collar. And before he went to bed, he put the collar on the dog.
0: Yeah, and the as he was going inside, the dog comes to life and goes and sleeps with him. And then you wake up, he wakes up in the morning and there's a moment where like the dog is gone yeah, and give
1: it a little, oh, no dog.
0: Yeah. But, but the dog's just waiting to be let outside and they go out and they see the snowman has died. So melted, it not dead. died. Okay. Melted <laughs> in, in more ways than one. It softens the blow of just seeing them. The snowman is gone. Cause you know, now we know the snowman will probably come out, come back. And
1: if you build it, he will come.
0: He has another dog. That he can live with. So, like, in all, in every way, this movie tries to recapture what is special about the snowman, and I think it falls short. It, the animation is still really cool looking. I like the look of it. It doesn't. It doesn't have the same feel.
1: It, it's the music.
0: It yeah. The music is is like a a big bummer in this one.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it's it doesn't have the same hit.
0: <laughs> no. They. You know, that, what's horrible about that is Howard Blake, who did the music in the original, um, he was one of the few people left that was still living that was not asked to return. He was instead asked to submit an audition tape.
1: That's booty.
0: But he, yeah, he refused, citing how successful his original score had yeah. been. It, it the, That song had been re-recorded several times, not just by that finished metal band, but um, it had become a, a hit by a couple for a couple of different artists so it was weird that they would try so much to capture the feeling of the original snowman
1: not put its heartbeat in
0: yeah and not bring the the guy who did the music which is so elemental to what made that special so good but I, again it, it's still it's still fairly charming i thought it was okay i i don't think it'll be one that i go back to like we we, I, we watch father christmas this time and i end up watching it because it's just on that dvd but whereas the snowman is like a special that we will be returning to and, and have been returning to, I don't, I don't think the snowman and the snow dog is going to make it into that pantheon. What about you?
1: I mean, I might give it another go because I've only seen it once.
0: Yeah, okay, you're right. Maybe we will watch it again. Maybe it'll grow on us. Um, so this one, uh, we, we were kind of talking about the commodification of, of Christmas in Klaus, and this one it really kind of oddly commodified. There was a video game for this. What? A video game. It was for iOS and Android. It was for phones. Was, yeah. It was a 3D flying game where basically you just avoid hazard and pick up power-ups. you hit my whales? Well, yeah. I, I, I didn't see if there were any whales in <laughs> yeah, um, it. I thought about looking it up to see if it's still available. I'm sure it's a dead app by now.
1: I don't know how to feel about that.
0: <laughs> and uh, Billy and the Snow Dog also made... Return appearances in a couple of commercials for uh, some some shops in the UK. Uh, there were a pair of advertisements, basically a grown up Billy and a, the Snow Dog. I didn't watch those yet. I, I will probably watch them after this, and probably put them up on the uh, Twitter and Facebook page if anybody wants to find if I can find them online.
1: I mean, I did buy that uh, diecast set for the Snowman because it was on the shelf. I'm like, now I have to get a diecast machine. Yeah, <laughs> which I did, but still.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah i mean we're i i shouldn't bad mouth commodification of beloved properties too much since we really do like our knickknacks in this house but um it it just, it just does speak to kind of like is maybe their heart wasn't in the right place in this in this uh updated version or sequel
1: i think they was in the right place they just missed some big opportunities and it probably wasn't even the core team's say like the audition for the music that that's higher up that's not the team
0: uh yeah because it i i i didn't see like the production team i think the producers all were the same obviously it did not have diane jackson who had who had passed away in the early 90s um it didn't have jimmy murakami i believe he was still working at the time but um it did have the the producing the production team but yeah, uh, what I wanted to say, I forgot to say this earlier in Father Christmas. Um, Father Christmas was offered to Diane Jackson, but she was too ill at the time. She couldn't take the project on. So she could have come back to direct that. I wonder, you, you kind of wonder what that would have looked like uh, if she would have tried to go for the same same look or the same feel. Maybe not. I'm not, I'm not actually sure how that would have worked. And then one last thing, one last little bit of snowman uh odds and ends there was a stage play it was it was uh i can't remember what year it was originally put on but howard blake did have a lot to do with it in fact you can find it on youtube it is through uh well he i don't believe he's alive anymore but it's it's a howard blake channel on on vivo but you can find it on youtube broken up into nine pieces it's about an hour and 20 minutes long uh, look for yourself. Make up your own mind. I frankly think it looks awful. <laughs> it. I mean, I don't like the bad mouth things too much on this show, but it. I screen, I kind of scanned through it, and it just like the look of it, especially the snowman costume. I think looks a little dodgy.
1: I, I think it looks padded. Like they've added a lot to it than needs to be there. Um. I mean, there's not really much you can do about the costume, but it is very terrifying. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, yeah, of course it's padded. It's like an hour and 20 minutes, and it's an adaptation of a 24-minute short that was in itself an expanded version of a very short, wordless book.
1: But they did something, and it's out there, and that's something to be commendable.
0: Yeah, but it, it is also kind of a, a popular Christmas play. It, it is put on still regularly, um, and not, not just like... Like I, I don't know if it's like regional or, or if it becomes like a a, a an annual tradition in certain theaters. But yeah, sure it is still it. it is still being being made. And just like just like the special, there is no dialogue in it at all. It is all just dance and music. And there's a section I didn't even show it to you, but there's like a the snowman party section has like, in, on top of dancing snowmen, it has like dancing pineapples and bananas.
1: Well, that makes sense, though. That makes sense because there's the whole scene in the kitchen with the bowl of fruit that they're trying on for the nose, and they're just probably trying to bring that up, too.
0: That is... Yes, that's true. Wait. Didn't he try the nose on in The Snowman and the Snowdog, or was that in the... That the, was the sm... original. Oh, and I just... Yeah. I watched all these, like, yesterday. and He
1: did I... different fruit, I think, in the new one. I don't know. I had to watch it again.
0: So, I, I know this is kind of a short episode, uh, but I think we're going to probably wrap things up soon here but hey it is of course Christmas you should be spending time with your families
1: if you're in the same house
0: if you're in the same household
1: we don't suggest spreading anything
0: please no traveling hopefully everybody is socially distanced being very safe and responsible making use of those zoom calls maybe um, but however you're celebrating you know hopefully you're having a good day if you're not celebrating at all hope, hopefully you're still having a good day um, but before we go I thought maybe we could just instead of doing a top five today just uh, Were there any other Christmas specials, animated or otherwise, that you would recommend or uh, tell people to check out?
1: Well, the Snowman will always be number one, but right up close there is, of course, Rudolph. And then followed really close with everything else, Rankin Bass. They're all kind of level. Um, and Twas the Night Before Christmas, which is animated, but Rankin Bass, but not the stop motion. Which is probably my favorite of the Rankin Bass, because it is animated and not the stop motion.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a really good one. That's the mouse, right? Yeah. No, that, that is a really good one. I like that one a lot. And
1: just something about their, their character design and the weight in their arms. They're just really chunky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um,
0: and of course, uh, yeah, all the Rankin Bass are great. Uh, that, that Rudolph, man, Santa is a dick in that movie.
1: Yes, he is. He's the worst.
0: So that'll, I guess, do it for us pretty much. I'm uh, You guys have been hearing all my recommendations all month. You, you know what I'm gonna say. I, I don't wanna just double dip anymore. But before we go, is there any, anything you want to mention? Do you want to send people towards your Instagram or anything, uh, your arts page?
1: Make sure Instagram, it's AMK Designs. It's a very rainbowy monogram for the profile picture.
0: Of course, Amber does the logos and any of the promo artwork that you see for the show. That is all her designs. Uh, she's also done, I will go ahead and mention this for her. Uh, a series of enamel pins for metallic dice games and of course you've heard me mention metallic dice games plenty on this I'll I'll throw up pictures and links when this episode goes live as I I probably have been doing a bit at this point but she yeah she designed these great enamel pins if you go to metallic dice games you can check them out there you can also get dice and other dice m- related merchandise if you end up buying anything there enter the code two heads that's T-W-O-H-E-A-D-S at checkout. Get yourself 10% off. If you're enjoying the show, please get go head over to iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. If you subscribe, this shows up in your feed immediately. I have discovered recently that if you are not subscribed, it can take a little while for the episode to show up. But uh, yeah, rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, I really appreciate everybody that listens. Hope you are having a, well, great end to a pretty awful year for just about everybody, I think. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and there's a Facebook page. It's Two-Headed Pod on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook. Just look up the Two-Headed Podcast or the incredible Two-Headed Podcast. And like I said, hope everybody is having a great end to a terrible year. Happy holidays, everybody.
1: Enjoy your holidays.